and Happy New Year. I'm Jen Beatty. Thank you for joining me by listening to this episode of Flesh and Gold. Exciting things have been happening at Flesh and Gold, the podcast, and the website. And I have a really quality list of interesting people and stories coming your way in 2016. I've also added a Flesh and Gold promo video to my website, my Facebook page, that explains a little bit about what I do here. And a special thanks to my kids for helping me get that out there. Did you know that you can subscribe to my blog to find out all the latest and greatest happenings at Flesh and Gold? I'll explain that a little bit after the show. But now, what we have all been waiting for, the story of Amber Renault and how she has been transformed in a powerful way. I hope this episode encourages you, as she has me. Well, Amber, welcome to the show, and I'm so glad that you've decided to let us tell your story today on Flesh and Gold. Hi, Jen. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really, really, really stoked to be able to talk about um, all that God has done in my life recently. Well, Amber, you and I met, gosh, I don't even know. Do you remember? I feel like I can't even remember my life before you, but it was definitely like probably around the time I had Owen. So 2006, would you say? Yes. And maybe even a little bit before that out at a conference in LA. Oh my I remember seeing you in yeah. Anaheim, California. That's totally yeah. right. You yeah. sat behind me. Okay, so so I met you, Amber, in 2005. Yes. That's so cool. Wow, time flies. Time flies. Well, you were immediately one of, you just attracted me to you as far as your personality. You're very charismatic, and I love your um, gestures. And But what really I feel like over the years has always sustained our friendship even through moves and different seasons where you move then I move is just the the depth of love that you have in your heart for God and for people and really I think what marks you of so many of the women I know is just your hunger for the things of the Lord for his word for his ways and I mean like I said before we can talk about real estate and nail polish and um, perfume but you also just as easily can go so deep in the things of God so quickly. And I love that about you. And so you're my second guest. So congratulations. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm really excited. Well, for those of you who don't know Amber, her name is Amber Eleanor. And you were recently married. When was the date again? Last year? Uh, November 1st of 2014. So we just celebrated our one year anniversary. Congratulations. And um, actually, we were practically neighbors for a while. You lived a neighborhood over. Yeah. We used to, I used to see you out walking all the time. But um, why don't we start at the very beginning? Why don't you tell me about um, kind of your first encounter with the Lord? Um, well, I uh, grew up in a uh, local church here in town, actually a, a Baptist church right up the road um, from from my childhood house. And I would say around five or six years old, um, I just really remembering feeling a, a really strong pull one Sunday morning. Um, and it was a it was a pretty decent sized church. And, um, I think I'm pretty sure they did like a typical altar call every single Sunday, but this one particular Sunday, I'll never forget. I just remember tugging on my mom and saying, I, I, I really want to go down. I need to go down. And, you know, it wasn't just, uh, everyone else is doing it. You know, I've seen this happen for a while, so, you know, I'm going to do it. It, I, I, even as a five-year-old or a six-year-old, I, I remember, the feeling in my heart of knowing deep down 
this man that they're talking about, he really is, he is the Lord. He is God. And, and I wanted that. I wanted that relationship. Um, I wanted that security. Even as a little girl, I remember knowing and feeling, gosh, you know, wanting that security. And so, um, you know, I did that. And, uh, you know, even at an early age, I remember in elementary school on the playground a couple times, uh, just different things happening. And, and in the classroom, there was one particular teacher that um, was not very nice, at least not to me. And I would get very anxious every single day as we'd line up to go into a class. I would just get those knots in my stomach. And as a, you know, I don't know, what, I can't remember exactly what grade it was. I think it was maybe second grade. So I might've been you know, eight at the time or so. But I remember uh, standing in that line to get it to go to the class one day and feeling that that anxiety. And but as a an eight year old or a seven year old um, in that, that time, you just think of you called it butterflies in your stomach. That's 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 what I called it in my head. And I remember standing in that line, praying to God and saying, you know, either Jesus or God, um, please take these butterflies away from my stomach. I was just basically crying out to him to give me peace. But of course, I didn't word it that way at that age. And instantaneously, the butterflies, if you will, left my stomach and a complete peace fell over me. And I remember in that moment, I knew in that moment, God was real. He he took away the butterflies. He sent peace. And from that moment on, I never, I never looked back at least for a certain period of time. So even as an early child, I, I was having, you know, whether you want to call it encounters with God or, or however you want to label that I was experiencing God's tangible presence and, you know, not all the time, but, but there was these specific moments, but then, um, in my teenage years, I did walk away from the Lord um, for a number of different reasons, just a lot of insecurities, people pleasing, wanting to fit in, not feeling like I fit in in certain certain situations. And um, for part of um, middle school and the first part of high school, I was overweight and, uh, you know, just you know, I, I would look back at pictures and think, no, no, I wasn't attractive. You know, I, I, at least I didn't feel that way. I felt very, you know, awkward, like most of us do in middle school, but I was, was overweight. And, um, and so for a various number of reasons, uh, in the latter part of my high school years, starting in, um, junior year, I really started to slim up and the weight started to come off. And, started hanging out with a different crowd of girls and, you know, guys started paying me attention and my hair, I started highlighting it and started going blonder and kept getting thinner and tanner. And all of a sudden I was, I looked very, very different, um, outwardly than what I had. And, um, with that came a whole, a, a whole new world, a world of popularity, of attention from guys, um, of, of parties and new friends. And one thing led to another and you kind of think, you know, I'm just going to kind of explore or sow my oats, if you will, for, you know, a year, you know, my senior year. But as, as it usually happens, that's never the case. And once you start getting entangled in, um, sin, I mean, ultimately is what it is, uh, and rebellion, you, you, the, the web, the kind of catches you. And so, um, what 
you know, started out just as a 17, 18 year old, like, let's just have a little fun turned into 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Um, so all through my college years, um, you know, I lived the party lifestyle. I don't need to get into all the details of that, but you know, the drinking, the drugs, um, you know, hanging out with guys, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And, um, it was, it was a very wild lifestyle. Um, pretty much (laughs) the group that I hung out with, we were at nightclubs all the time. Um, and it was just a really interesting time for me. And yet during that time, there was multiple moments where I really felt the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart to turn back. Mm. And, um, I remember having a couple of conversations, one in particular with my dad, um, where I'd had a, a really bad, what we would call a nightmare. I mean, it was a really scary dream, but it wasn't just a nightmare. I look back now and I know it was, it was, it was really a spiritual dream. And I believe that God was kind of showing me in that dream, the darkness that I was in, just the world of darkness. And it was very un unnerving. And I woke up from that dream kind of in a panic and, um, woke my dad up in the middle of the night. We had a conversation and I remember, you know, him just talking to me, sitting on the bed, talking about God and, um, just where I was at with my relationship with God. And I remember to this day saying to him, dad, I know that God is real. I know that Jesus is real. I know I'm not living for him. And I know that if I were to turn my life around right now, I know that God would want to use me in a great way. Um, And so there's a part of me that wants to do that. But the other part of me that's realistic knows that if I make that decision now, I have to break up with my boyfriend, walk away from all of my friends, lose my popularity, lose this life that I've now built for myself in this new external amber with the super blonde hair that's, you know, fit and trim and popular and tan and all these things, all these superficial things. But, and I told my dad just straight up, I said, you know, I don't know that I'm ready to give all that up. Mm. And it's chilling Mm. to to think that, you know, that you could know that God is real and not, and still not choose him in that moment. And, you know, as we'll get into later in the latter part of my testimony, it just really shows the grace and the mercy and the long suffering of God, his, his patience and persistence with us as, as children and as friends. I, I lived that life for a while and, you know, kind of came to the end of the rope uh, of that grace period is the way I look at it. And when I was 24 years old, I just had an encounter with God in my car where I knew that it was that time was up, that I could not keep running. There's a number of things for time's sake I won't get into, but there was a course of events and some things that happened that led up to me realizing I really need to get my life together. Yeah. I need to give my life yeah. back to God. And 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 I did. And in that moment when I made that decision, I literally, because as you know about me, Jen, I, I can, you know, be kind of, you know, extreme. It's all or nothing. <laughs> I'm in or I'm out. I'm not lukewarm. You know, I don't sit around on the sidelines. So when I made that decision, I walked away from all of my friends, from the parties, from the popularity, from everything, 
like that overnight. I did a 180. I said, I'm done. I'm out. And all my friends thought I was crazy. They all thought, oh, she's a Jesus freak. And, or this is just a little thing. It'll pass. And a couple of months, she'll be back out at the clubs with us. And no, they were all wrong. And now, gosh, let's see, 20, uh, we're going on almost 12 years later. I'm still going strong and I never turned back. I mean, when I meant it, I meant it, but I, I went through all that stuff to get to that point. But as you can see, that's part of my passion is knowing that I was given a lot of chances and it's only by the grace of God that I'm here today to really do this. Cause I put myself in a lot of bad situations with the drugs and the alcohol and things where things could have gone really bad and I, I could not be here today. Yeah. Um, and I decided to go wholeheartedly after God and, um, and I just really had a hunger for, for him. And that hunger is what's driven me all these years. It's so good. I love, I love that. I love how you have just the power of God and the grace of God in your life. So in 2007, you moved to Nashville to take on a pretty unique, um, ministry opportunity. So why don't you just tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that and then we'll get into kind of um, that the rest of that season. So in 2007, I really started to feel kind of a shift in my heart um, that the Lord was really calling me to make a transition um, and just through someone that I knew and some connections, uh, there was an opportunity, as you said, in Nashville for me to go up there and work for a ministry. Um, in a, in a really unique position, helping, uh, young women, uh, who were really struggling with some pretty significant life issues. Um, so obviously it was a, it was a Christian ministry that would, you know, kind of help them and walk them through Christian counseling and different things like that. Um, and, and help them ultimately, uh, decipher between the lie, the lies and the truth. I mean, ultimately is what it comes down to is what, what are we believing? Um, and, and that season from 2007 to 2010, I lived in Nashville for three years, um, was a really, uh, bittersweet time for me. It was, uh, extremely fulfilling and extremely challenging at the same time. I grew and matured exponentially during that time. Um, and I've never felt God as near as I felt him in that season, but it was on the fringes of a, a very exhausting and at times somewhat traumatic situation. So because of the type of ministry it was and just some of the demands and, and honestly, uh, some of the warfare that, that came with that type of position because of what you were doing. It was, as I said, a very fulfilling time, but a very challenging time, um, in my adult life and in my Christian walk. Um, and a lot of people didn't really know about it. I wasn't very vocal about it. Um, you know, I, I shared with a couple of close mentors and friends, but, I really had to walk through that time hand in hand with the Lord. Yeah, let me just stop you right there. So just just so people understand, the type of ministry that Amber was talking about was severe eating disorder, sexual abuse, even, even in some cases um, victims of sexual trafficking. And the type of ministry was so intense and really the environment that Amber was in 
was void of healthy boundaries, not only from a counseling standpoint, but even as far as the workload. So um, you handled it with such grace, but it was really an overwhelming, I feel like, taxing season on anybody. Yes. um, Pretty much you hit the nail on the head. I mean, everything you just said is correct. Um, it, It was a extremely exhausting and challenging time, both spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, because like you said, of, um, the types of issues that we were dealing with, um, and with some of the workload and the boundaries and things, as you said. So, um, during that time, it was a real stripping for me. Um, I, I kind of, went through my own crisis of faith, uh, during that time, because when you're constantly, constantly inundated and around really tragic situations. And, um, and I, I actually, right before I had left to go to the ministry, I had lost a friend in ministry, um, tragically. Um, and so I was processing that of kind of going through, God, how could you let something like this happen? Um, and and if you did allow that to happen, I know you didn't do it, you didn't cause it, but if you allowed something so tragic to happen to somebody that I knew um, who was in ministry, what else will you allow? And can I really trust you? Can I really trust what up until that point was the bedrock of my faith, which is God is good. God is awesome. He's got my back. He is my protector, my provider. I mean, I honestly felt 10 feet tall and bulletproof. (laughs) I mean, that's part of my, my boldness and my passion and my vigor was just like, God is awesome. God is legit. You need to get over here on this page and realize how great God is. It, It really was the bedrock of my faith. And in a huge piece of my confidence that I felt, it was confidence in the Lord, not in myself. Um, And honestly, through that situation with losing that friend, as well as going into a ministry situation where every single day I was hearing another tragic story, it really started to have me question, even though I never... It was never a question of, okay, is God real? Is he really out there? Am I questioning like the whole, is, is, is there a God? Never questioned that. But it, it, and I always still knew in my heart, okay, God, I know that these feelings that I'm having are, are, are not an accurate portrayal of who you are, but based on what I'm seeing, it's waging a war in my soul. And I, and I need help to, to, to filter through this, to walk through this, because they're all the signs are pointing one way that are, that are stripping down that confidence that I had in God, stripping down that bedrock, that anchor, that faith that I had in God. It was causing me to question God. Well, if he allowed this and he allowed this and he allowed this, what else will he allow? So I'm really not that safe. You know, anything could happen mm-hmm. to me. And and so once you start stripping that down, that's not a good place to be. Um, because God is our hope. <laughs> he is our strength. He is our joy. And when you start questioning those things, which we all know 
who's behind a lot of that questioning? It's the enemy. Let's let's just be honest. Um, let's call it for what it is. It's the enemy that's fueling that. Um, he's the one in the garden that questioned, you know, did God really say that? You know, I mean, he's the one that's that's fueling that. And granted, our own mind and our own flesh is involved in that and partnered in that. But he he's behind that. That's his agenda is to get us questioning God, his nature and his character and his goodness. And for me in that season, that's what it was. It was a wrestling and it was a crisis of faith because of all these different things. And then coupled with that was the physical exhaustion. And so it really wore me down. I got to a place of complete ministry burnout. Um, but it wasn't from one thing. I want to make sure that I don't, um, that people don't get the wrong idea about this. I don't want anybody who is either in ministry or thinking about getting into ministry to think, Oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't, you know, quite the contrary when you're in a healthy setting and, you know, under certain circumstances, it was kind of, for me, it was the perfect storm. It, It wasn't one thing. It was a lot of things. There was a personal kind of tragic event. Then there were a bunch of ministry related because of my job, tragic things that I was around. And then there was a personal crisis of faith. And then there were, like you said, boundary things and some unhealthy things, you know, maybe related to the workload. And so then that brings on the physical. So it wasn't one thing. So I don't want people to get confused by that. Um, I absolutely believe wholeheartedly in the call to ministry and, and in most situations, mine, I think was somewhat rare in most situations where it's, it's, um, healthy. And when you're healthy and you're not going through your own crisis of faith, it's quite the opposite. It's life giving, it's fulfilling. Um, but for many people out there, my story is going to resonate. They too were, got burned out in ministry. They too got exhausted there. They too dealt with maybe inappropriate or unhealthy boundaries. Um, or they too went through their own crisis of faith. Maybe they lost a friend. Maybe they, um, were believing God for something and it didn't turn out how they thought. And then we start to question God. So I think there's a lot of people who will relate, but I also want to be careful to not discourage somebody from ministry thinking that all ministry assignments are, are, are that tough. Cause they're not, this was just my journey. So Amber, what I'd love for you to share a little bit after that season and kind of reaching the lowest low, the burnout of just everything, physical, your mental, social, I mean, spiritual, what are some of the things that allowed you to walk in to restoration so well? I mean, from the outside, having walked with you through some of that restoration and healing process, I feel like it was I mean, obviously, it's easier for me to say such a shorter season, but I think a lot of that is because you've submitted yourself to the very specific things that the Lord had for you to do in in that season when you had kind of burnout. Absolutely. I I would agree. It's funny because in your own life, <laughs> when you're going through things, you don't necessarily think in terms of... Um, wow, you know, I really short-circuited what could have been a really long, drawn-out situation because when you're walking in it, all you know is is what you're doing. And you, if anything, you might be thinking, oh, this yeah, is dragging out absolutely. forever. I wish this would be shorter. But it, I appreciate you saying that and bringing your perspective because um, I think you're right. I, I think um, God maybe was able to fast-track me a little bit. 
um, through some of the healing and, and even deliverance from, from some different things in, in my soul from some of those tra- traumatic experiences. Um, because, and I, and I say this, not it's, I don't want to come off like this is false humility. Like I'm not trying to take credit for it, but, but truthfully, I think in the moment, I really didn't know that I had another choice. I mean, I just felt like I was on this journey with God and I just was constantly seeking him and walking with him and in, in, in friendship really, um, where he, I was being led by his spirit, you know, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. And, and by walking with him and that way and staying close to his heart, I was able to discern the times and the seasons, not always perfectly, but, um, and I was able to receive some of the healing that I really needed to see. And part of that is because when I left that season in Nashville, completely exhausted and burned out, um, you know, what a lot of people might've done and, and thankfully by God's grace, I have wonderful parents who embraced me and I was able to come back and, and stay there with them for a while to try to get back on my feet and figure out what the next steps for my life were. And, you know, some people don't have that, that opportunity, yeah. maybe their parents, yeah. you know, that's not that situation for them. But for me, because I was able to do that, um, my pride and my ego really had to take a back seat to to this this process this journey with god because everything within me you come from being in full-time ministry no matter what ministry you're in it doesn't matter but being in full-time ministry and kind of being known everyone knowing you um it, it, you know in both, in both ministry settings. Um, but in the latter one, you know, there was a lot of different ministry assignments and things where I actually went and I spoke at conferences and things like that. And there was, you know, a little bit of notoriety that came with that. There was, you know, that feeling of, you know, kind of greatness and accomplishment and people know me and, and I'm, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, I'm legit. People, people, people think I'm legit. Like I'm, I'm this deep, awesome Christian woman and you know, all of that. And then you walk away from all of that. You turn in the title, you turn in the name badge, you turn in the notoriety at at 30 years old. And, uh, you move back home with your parents and you take a job making literally minimum wage and cleaning bathrooms and sweeping floors. And, people that you know, cause you're back in your hometown are coming in and they're getting their beverages or what snacks or whatever they're getting. And you're the one behind the counter, um, taking their order. And it was very humbling for me. Um, but I kind of felt like I had no other choice. And that's why I say it's not to sound like false humility where I'm not trying to take credit for it, but I truly do it wasn't so much that I had that Amber had a grand idea. Okay, this is the path that I need to take. And this is going to take me through the healing that I need. And then I'm yeah. going to bounce back on my And my destiny is going to play out just like I want it. No, I was exhausted. I was worn out. I was at a loss. And I didn't know what the next step was. I felt almost forced into this situation. It was not where I wanted to be. But 
I had to trust God that this was the next step. And in that next step, instead of it being a quick turnaround, no, it was a good two plus years of being in a very humbling state of 30, then 31, living at home with my parents. When a lot of my friends are married with kids, or even if they're not married, many were still single, but they had these flourishing careers, um, or they were still in ministry, you know, doing all these great things. And here I am behind the counter, taking people's orders and uh, sweeping the floors. I felt like Cinderella (laughs) sweeping the floors and cleaning, literally cleaning bathrooms, cleaning toilets. It was very, very humbling. It was, as I said before, there was a stripping. It was a stripping away. I heard someone once say just that sometimes God will shake everything that can be shaken so that the unshakable will remain. And for me, I felt like that is what was going on. It was the last bit of shaking that God was shaking and shaking and shaking until the bedrock came back to the confidence in him, the confidence in his love for me and his goodness over my life and his plan to bring me to full restoration and into my promised land. Everyone's promised land looks different, but whatever my promised land was, it was not a glamorous time for me at all. It was quite the contrary. And to be honest, I was, I struggled with, with some embarrassment and shame during that season of people would ask, well, where do you live? And I'd kind of, you know, (laughs) not wanting wanting to say I live at my parents' house and, uh, or, you know, where do you work, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, just feeling like I was a little bit of a letdown of a disappointment, but yet, in my soul, deep down knowing I was exactly where God had called and allowed for me to be in that season. And by submitting to that humbling road, God did. He brought about tremendous, tremendous healing, healing for things I didn't even know that I needed healing for. And I'm not talking about sitting around in a room with four women and and praying through healing stuff. I'm talking about just driving down the road in my car, listening to worship music or spending time in my room, praying or reading the word and just revelation coming to me, light bulb moments where God highlights something and shines the truth on maybe a lie that I was believing about myself or, 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 or anything and, and being changed in that moment, feeling tangible transformation in my soul. And the next day or a week later noticing, wow, I'm so free in this area of my life. And not even, you see what I'm saying? Not even realizing it wasn't like these planned out moments of like healing. It was just walking with God. And by walking with God, he was healing me. And he was delivering me from fears and from all kinds of different things. Yeah. So tell me too about the one of the things that you said is just the the place that worship had in your life during this season. Well, during that season, worship was literally everything for me. It was from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, I literally pretty much listen to worship nonstop, uh, particularly during my season in Nashville. Um, that is what got me through. I literally felt like I had to have worship music on at all times um, because that was the way that I kept my spirit alive and connected to God and his truth, even when everything around me was sometimes screaming uh, other things 
the worship is what would draw me back in um, to to just his truth and his presence and the knowledge of God of who he is, and and that and that was my weapon of warfare, if you will. I mean, cause I was, in, I was in a war. Um, and, and I think we all agree as Christians, no matter, you know, what denomination you're from, and we all can agree that, th- that there is such a thing as warfare. I mean, Ephesians tells us that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the, the rulers of the air and the principalities of darkness. So there is a war going on. And for me, the war was intense at that time. And, and my weapon of warfare was worship. And that's what got me through. That's what kept me even after I left and I came back to Tallahassee um, during that whole humbling season. Um, it was worship. It was encountering God and his presence through worship. Now I, I do, I did, and I still do encounter God through his word, through, through scripture. Um, absolutely. Um, but for me, that's a real connection point for me is is through worship. Now I'm not a singer. You don't want to ask me to sing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But I do love to listen to worship and that's how I feel closest to God is in that way. Amber, would you just share with us um, a scripture or what are what part of the word really became alive in you as a result of walking through that season? What what are one of the things that you're like this is seri- this marks me as a person? This is inside of me, living and active. Well, there's there's definitely a lot of scriptures that really uh, witness to me and tug on my heart, uh, some more than others. But if I had to choose one um, and only one, I would say, um, just to give you the background, just share a little uh, story that goes along with this is just when I was in Nashville and going through that tough time, I was really wrestling with a lot in my spirit about my, and I say it in quotations, my destiny. Um, cause I think, I think sometimes we overuse that word, um, especially in Christendom and in church, um, is this, this idea of destiny. But at that time, that's where I was at. And, um, that I really felt a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety over my so-called destiny. Uh, I just felt a lot of pressure only that I put on myself. Nobody else was putting the pressure on me. Not even God. God, God definitely wasn't putting the pressure on me. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't my friends. It was me. It was self-induced pressure, um, where I just felt this call to greatness, whatever greatness looks like. I'm not even sure I know. Um, and greatness can look different for everyone, but I just felt this call to be great for God. And with that, I, put a lot of pressure on myself to try to figure out the seasons of my life and to try to, okay, well, if I feel like I have this passion about God and to talk about God and to teach and to share, you know, then I need to do A, B, and C and X, Y, and Z, you know, by this time in my life or by this age. And even just toying around with the idea, maybe I should go to seminary, you know, just, just so that I could learn more about God, not you know, for any, you know, pastoral position or anything like that. But just because I was hungry and I, and and I wanted to learn more about God so that then someday I'd be more prepared to teach women or do Bible studies or, you know, write books or things like that. And so I just felt this extreme pressure. And I remember one day driving home from work 
I just was crying out to God because I was feeling that angst. I was, I was, I was going through all these what ifs and these questions in my head to God, God, should I do this? God, should I do that? I don't know. And, um, as I was crying out to God and worshiping on the way home, as soon as I got home and pulled into the driveway and I parked my car, I just sat there and continued to worship. And I remember it was a really pretty night out and I think it was kind of chilly. And so the sky was really clear and there was a lot of stars. So I just sat there in my car and I just looked up at the sky and I just continued to worship. And the thing that I was, the thing that I was crying out for and that I kept saying to God actually out loud was God. I was crying out to God saying, God, I don't want to miss it. I just don't want to miss it. And when I was saying miss it, I was referring to my destiny, my calling, whatever it is that God was calling me to this idea of, you know, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to look back when I'm 40 or when I'm 50 um, or 60 and look back on my life and go, I missed it. I just, I didn't do what God called me to do. I didn't, I wasn't faithful. I didn't get it done. I didn't take the right steps. And so that's what I meant by God. I don't want to miss it. And I heard in my spirit so clearly, God say, Amber, you are not going to miss it when you realize that I am it. I am it. I am your reward. I am the prize. And I, as soon as I heard that, I started like uncontrollably sobbing in my car because, I mean, the tears were just rolling down my cheeks because I knew in that moment that was it. I mean, he hit the nail on the head. All my striving, all the anxiety, all the 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 drivenness in my soul is that I was going after the right thing and that I was hungry and passionate about God, but I was going after the wrong thing because I was focused on the thing rather than the person. I was focused on the career, the calling, the ministry, the the platform, the 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 Bible study, the book, whatever it was, maybe all of the above. But I was going after that instead of going after God in that one particular area of my life. Obviously from what you've heard, you know that I really did pursue God on a daily basis, but the Lord spoke that to me and I was forever changed, forever marked in that moment. God, you are my reward. You are my prize. And the scripture that says it just like that so eloquently is, is Genesis 15, 1, where it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So God saying to Abram, just like God said, says to us, I'm your very great reward. And that's what all of this life is about. Yes, it's totally fine to dream about maybe you haven't been able to get pregnant yet and you're dreaming about having a baby. Maybe you're not married yet and you're dreaming about having a spouse someday. Or maybe you are dreaming about that career that you've worked so hard for, that promotion, whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with those things. Those things aren't evil desires, but it's just keeping them in context that with at the very anchor of all of our souls is this longing and desire to encounter God in an intimate way where we realize and then walk out his presence 
a relationship with him and intimacy with him is the reward. And it reminds me of the scripture that talks about eternal life. You know, what is eternal life that we may know him? We may know God that is eternal life and it's knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God, same thing. So knowing that he's the prize, I think that's the key to our walk with God. Now, do I walk that out perfectly? Uh, you know, of course not. I, I, there's moments and days where that's not on the forefront of my mind. I'm in the throes of real estate transactions and buying groceries and doing laundry and going to meetings or church. And you, you forget that. I, I don't walk it out perfectly, but it's a revelation that's marked my life that I'll never forget. And it's the anchor that pulls me back. It pulls me back over and over and over again. That's excellent. Well, Amber, I'm just so appreciative of you and your hunger and your willing just to be authentic and funny and share your story with us. So thank you so much. I know that people are going to be encouraged just to know that God loves them and to know that um, they can have trust in his goodness. So I thank you for sharing that with us, not only through your words, but through your life. And you've been a great friend. I love you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Flesh and Gold. To find out more about what Amber's been up to or to contact her personally, you can visit her at her webpage, greatreward.org. Again, that's greatreward.org. Or email her at amber at greatreward.org. Again, I'd love to hear your comments and your stories of how Flesh and Gold is impacting you. So you can visit me at www.fleshandgold.com. And don't forget to subscribe under the contact page or footer of any of the pages on my website. That will make sure that you are getting our latest blogs and updates and our podcasts. Thank you for listening. I'm Jen Beatty, and have a great week.